Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Hawks Insiders, your Tuesday night safe space, safe place. My name's Ashley Brown. We're here to recap what has been a great win by Hawthorne yesterday, uh, 14,892 to 11,14,80 over Geelong at the MCG. So much to unpack. I know uh, there's been a lot of unpacking by a lot of people already so far, but there's always more to talk about. So join us the next hour or so as we relive what was a great afternoon at the MCG and early evening, given uh, the lights were on by half time. Um, joining me as they always do are my friends and co-hosts. Firstly, Andrew Weeks. Hello. G'day, Ash. Good evening, everyone. What a day. What a brilliant game of footy and what brilliant basking for 24 hours since. And they asked this question of all the co-hosts and uh, anyone who joins us tonight, we want lots of feedback and lots of questions. And uh, how much of the replay have you watched? Uh, I haven't watched the whole replay. Obviously, was busy recording our player reviews uh, last night. I've watched so many different highlights, though. I've listened to the post-game interviews. Uh, I've I've seen the footage from on the ground that that Hawthorne socials put out. So. I haven't watched the replay in full, but I've seen so much of it over and over and over again. And it's just, it's just sheer beauty. Uh, Darren Levine, are you with us? Or are you having tech issues? No, no, I'm with, I'm with you. Can you hear me? Baz? He is connecting. He's following your instructions. Was he not very? I can hear him. Oh, I, I can, can hear him. I can't hear him. Uh, well, uh, Brad, hello. Good evening, all. Am I coming through clear? You're coming through loud and clear. I need to do some slight uh, changing to my settings, I think, so I can hear uh, Darren. Uh, Brad, how many times have you watched the replay? Uh, I've watched it fully once, and I've got uh, the mini on at the moment. It actually, the Foxtel uh, mini, and it's just started with uh, Nuke's awesome bump at the start of the game, which you can watch time and time again. It was similar to Warples against uh, the Cats, I think about probably three years ago. Might have been two years ago when he ran through Selwood and set up a goal for us, but had that similar uh, vibe at the start of the game. So, yeah, got uh, the mini on in the background now. So, perfect timing. Uh, Daz, I can hear you now. Hello. Hey, you got me? Got you. How many... Okay, brilliant. Uh, replay, how many viewings? Oh, I've, I've got through half the replay, but similar to Weezy, I feel like I've lived in that game for the past 24 hours, which is pretty much between the play ratings and this match re- recap that we're doing and the multiple highlights and footy shows are just, it's been hard to concentrate on other things, even though I do have a day job and a family. So yeah, that game is just consume my life. Uh, and Danny Prince. Hello, Danny. Evening, Ash. Evening, everybody. Replay viewings. Uh, one and a half times, uh, halfway through the second time. So looking forward to watching that last quarter again. Uh, very good. Uh, now, apologies from Simon Morowitz, not with us this evening. He sent through some feedback for the different seconds we're going to have, so uh, hopefully we'll get to that. As I said earlier, uh, it's a, it was a great day of the footy. We want to make this as wide-ranging conversation as possible, so please, if you've got any questions, any comments, uh, make a request to speak. We'd love to get you on, uh, particularly as we're one short of our host tonight, so we'd like you guys to fill Morris' uh, void and, and help us out this evening. Um, 
We have the Hawks Insiders, $5 a month, $50 a year for great Hawthorne content. Rodney Eads' uh, first season in-season review will be online later in the week as well, which we are very much looking forward to. So um, we all know what happened. Great win to the Hawks. Uh, let's go through starting, as always, with the good. I mean, it, this could take a while, Daz, but uh, what, what, we'll just give you two or three your, your favourite uh, elements out of, uh, out of Monday's game. Well, I knew this question was coming and I prepared a bit of a cheat sheet because it is a very, very long list. But for me, the rise of continued rise of John Newcomb from Total Obscurity, and I think now everyone's paying attention with that rising star nom. Um, lifelong fan, Josh Ward, living every Hawthorne fan's dream out there. Um, Connor McDonald just looking like he belonged, even though he's only played five games. Mitch Lewis being the key forward we've cried out for. Connor Nash and Cozzy playing really selfless roles out of position. Ned Reeves' first quarter. <laughs> Dylan Moore's four goals and constant pressure through the game. Gunston and Hardwick back in form after a pretty disappointing game against the Saints. Sam Frost, Roland Hawkins and taking him to places that he didn't really want to go. Um, DGB learning a bit of a lesson against Cameron and really standing up in that last quarter, I thought. CJ and Scrim just continuing on their merry way. Warps's redemption moment um, and series of moments. Titch's absolutely ridiculous second half. Sicily just playing like the, the play he always was before the injury and, and, and maybe even, even better. So that's just a small snapshot <laughs> of what was a pretty amazing day. The bad, Brad. This is your uh, this is your account. I'm sure no, even with your standards, tonight. there would have been something that uh, disappointed you. No, Reeves' shoulder was probably the main bad. Uh, over to the other side, Tommy uh, Hawkins, just absolutely <laughs> disgraceful, and it's just come through now that he didn't even uh, cop a fine, which is unbelievable. So we saw Harry uh, McKay from Carlton the week before against Gold Coast cop a fine. And what Hawkins did, in my opinion, I don't know what uh, you guys thought, was a lot worse. The 50-metre penalty that followed that free kick was even worse than his dive, which is saying something. So those are my only two bads. Reeves' shoulder, which apparently is not as bad as it looked to be on the ground. So he'll miss some time, but hopefully you know, not more than a few weeks because we're going to need him. But Hawkins was my main bad in the umpiring, those the 50-metre penalty. And I'm pretty sure there was another 50-metre penalty in the first quarter, which was also terrible. So that was my... Appar- those were only apparently, my this is emerging this evening. Um, if anyone's got confirmation or knows more about this, please speak up and let us know. There was a 50-metre penalty paid against Luke Bruce, where someone yelled, play on. So he moved. I a suggestion that. that it was Patrick Dangerfield's call call out play on. No, I saw exactly what happened. So he had the umpire in the forward fifty in front of him, and he turned around to the middle of the ground, and the umpire, the field umpire who was right near the central center circle, looked. Bruce was looking straight at him. And he called play on. So the central umpire raised his hands, called play on. Brewster turned around and was looking at him, which is why he then charged at the player. And then the forward umpire paid the 50-metre penalty, 
what actually should have happened was the central umpire should have come in and said, I called play on, get him to go back and take That's his it. kick from where it was. It was disgraceful. Well, that explains it. The Patrick Dangerfield theories on the on the uh, interwebs may not hold true that he was on a call play on and uh, totally sucked Luke Bruce in. Anyway, uh, we won't uh, not to dwell too much on the bad. The fan experience, we see you've got the unique fan experience. I know uh, Darren mentioned some of the excitement after the game with the clubs on pumping and fancying horses and what have you. But uh, you had a fan experience before the game. Um, tell us all about it. Yeah, so uh, come back down from that little umpire bashing moment. Um, was lucky enough that over the last couple of weeks, um, having been hit by COVID and lying on the couch, that I was onto every single email as it popped up. And Ethan got an email from the club um, basically thanking him for staying on as a member through the last couple of years of COVID, offering a fan experience. It was actually either for the St Kilda or Geelong game to go and be in the um, in the Guard of Honour before the game. So um, I, I managed to click on the Geelong and the Geelong game and get us both down there, and, and those tickets were gone within three or four minutes. So very lucky. Um, got there early, went down um, sort of just outside the rooms, up the race, um, watched the players, he got to high five all the players as they came on for the came out for the warm up. Um, Hardigan, Howe, Lynch, Ben McAvoy, Ben McAvoy were all there chatting with all of the fans, signing autographs, photos, all of that sort of stuff. And then yeah, we were right next to the banner proper um, when the boys ran out, and and it was a wonderful experience. Um, you know, it's good that oh, I feel pretty blessed and lucky but it's good to know that um x amount of people the club are giving these experiences to um as a result of you know giving something back to the fans so it was it was incredible and then got back to got back to our seats with a couple of minutes before the first bounce so it was just phenomenal well uh well we picked a hell of a day to to part of all of that. Um let's go around for our three, twos and ones quickly. I know um Mora uh not with us tonight, but he said he set his three. He had three Newcomb, two to Tom Mitchell and one to James Sicily. Uh what about you, Daz? I'm gonna go three to Sicily because it was just such a complete performance across the the back line and he was just absolutely immense, um, especially in that first half. Um, going to go to the giant Newcomb who just continues to, it's just incredible to think what this kid's ceiling is and it keeps getting higher every game he plays and fully deserving of that rising star nomination. And then I'm going to give one to, I think Tom, Tom Mitchell is pretty stiff here, but Mitch Lewis, I really felt like he presented all day and gave us an option and, he probably should have clunked a few um, a few more marks, but just was was a really important player all day, and you really got a sense of how hard he worked um, when you were at the ground. So, um, teach unlucky to, to miss out, but I thought Mitch Mitchell is just is the key forward we've been crying out for for a long time. Where is he? I go three to John Newcomb. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. 
two assists for the, all the reasons Daz mentioned. His first quarter was absolutely incredible. Um, one to Tom Mitchell, whose second half was just outstanding. And the player not mentioned yet that I um, give a special mention to is Jack Scrimshaw. I thought his game off path back was absolutely exceptional. And uh, uh, Brad? Yeah, same as uh, we see three to John Newcomb. As I mentioned earlier, that uh, opening bounce, he set uh, the tone straight away at 31 uh, touches, which is unbelievable. He's been hovering hovering around the 18 to 22 mark since he's made his debut, but 31 touches is absolutely huge. Sis, uh, brilliant first quarter. It was a bit quiet in the second and third, but was brilliant again in the last quarter. Uh, Tommy Mitchell, 25 touches in the second half. His last quarter, when you watch it back again, watch how good he was uh, in and under. That's the type of player we need him to be week in, uh, week out, was back to his best. Unlucky to Lewis. And uh, as you mentioned, Jack Scrimshaw. Dylan Moore's uh, another one. Four goals in the first half and got a bit of the ball in the last quarter uh, when it mattered. So a few unlucky players, but... Uh, yep, same as uh, WC. Yeah, I went three, uh, Newcomb, two, Sisley, one, Tom Mitchell, and quite clearly ahead of the next bunch, but I thought Scrimshaw plays an excellent game as well um, for the Hawks. Uh, but a lot of players deserve, you know, I thought Kaczynski was brave, but Connor Nash was brave. I mean, to do what they did to Geelong through the midfield, despite uh, Donovan Ruckman after quarter time, was a phenomenal effort. So, very, very few bad players for Hawthorne in what was a great performance. Um, injury update, we're not going to get anything official from the club for a couple of days. Um, but from all reports, uh, Will Day uh, should come out of protocols. So he'll be available to play against Sydney next Monday. Chad Wingard, um, I was talking to someone from the club yesterday. It was explained to me that taking an approach with Wingard now, they almost give him, because of his recent history of soft tissue injuries, they're almost like if, if he gets an injury, a soft tissue injury, they, they give him a week extra to get over it than they might if it was the first time that he'd suffered that injury. So it was explained to me that had he been a younger player, having done a car for the first time, he might well have played against Geelong yesterday. Um, but they've been very cautious with him and held him out. So I think he's every chance to play this week. Although... The issue I think Hawthorne have to adopt, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, is um, they're at their five-day break. They didn't do this last year. They were one of the few teams last year that didn't do one. They've got a five-day break between the uh, Sydney game, which is Anzac Day on the Monday, and then Melbourne and the Twilight game back at the MCG five days later. So do they look over the next sort of two weeks? And Brad, we might talk about this a bit later on. Um, Will they take some sort of approach with a sort of a squad mentality and sort of have 25 or 26 players who they'll rotate through the team through these next two games to make sure they get through it properly? And do you maybe think about holding Wingard back for this one? Uh, maybe for Max Lynch as well and hold both of them back from the. We'll get to that a bit down the track. But they're the two key ones. Obviously, Reeves, we don't know. The signs are that it mightn't be a sort of a 10, 12 week or even season ending injury, but uh, it might be one that after manage rest of the year and. Uh, it might keep happening two or three times until he can get proper surgery at the end of the season. Um, so they're, they're the main ones. Boxall didn't play. They'll bring a stack of players back through Boxall. Notice that uh, some vision from the Hawthorne rooms on one of the things that Tyler Brockman was in the in the rooms post-game. So soon he'll be back playing for Boxall next week. Um, 
So, uh, which is a good sign because we all think he uh, he's potentially best twenty-two player, playing close to his best. Um, Phineas, good evening. You got a question for us? Phineas, you there? Hello. Hello. He's been caught napping. Been caught napping. He's been, so switch your speaker on, Phineas. We'll, uh, we'll get you on as soon as uh, as soon as we can. Um, I've got lots of talking points, and um, we'll get started on those. And I'll talk about you guys today. The first one is um, the ruck conundrum at Hawthorne, where the club is down to one fit ruckman. I want Prinzi to get involved in this conversation, but he's actually oh, he's back. Beautiful, Prinzi. Just in time. Just in time, indeed. You're our list specialist. Uh, for all uh, things are going pretty well for Hawthorne, did they pull the wrong rein and having three ruckmen on the list now having two injured? Um, what do you think they should do over the next few weeks? What are their options mid-season and uh, end of season? Yeah, yeah they absolutely um, – it was an absolute stuff up, only going with three. Um I, I said it at the time. I thought we were thin. I think Brad and I had conversations about it. Um, to go in with only three legitimate ruck options was a was just a bad idea. Now you can't envisage, um, you know, one potentially two um, really long term injuries to to your three ruckmen, but you can protect for those sorts of things as best you possibly can. And the Hawks haven't done that, uh, and they potentially are looking at. Um, having to play maybe next week without a Ruckman altogether, the way Mitchell was talking about Max Lynch and the fact he hasn't played any footy for a month, um, there's a chance that they, they roll with a, some combination of Jackson Callow, uh, Justin Kaczynski, Connor Nash as a combination uh, for next week if they don't feel like Lynch has got enough uh, Ks in the legs. So it's a really interesting one to see how it plays out. I mean, it has ripple effects at Box Hill too, not that... Um, Box Hill winning the VFL Premiership is 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 why the Hawks play the game, but um, they will be without a ruckman for the majority of the year um, because of the um, the Ben McAvoy injury already. Even if uh, Reeves's isn't too bad, um, but yeah, they really have to address it at the mid-season draft. It has to be a ruckman uh, that comes onto the list uh, halfway through the year. There's a couple. There's one young kid who's a overager. Uh, Max Ramsden, who I believe is at Oakley, um, Oakley Chargers, who'd be one to keep an eye out for. Um, a little bit of a Ned Moyle type who everyone sort of uh, wanted the Hawks to grab before they got uh, Jai Newcomb and Jackson Callow in last year's mid-season draft. But uh, I think just with where our list at, um, there's no point in drafting another Keegan Brooksby type. Um, I think you just go the youngster and um, just have another option, even if they get thrown to the wolves a little bit. Brad, why wouldn't they draft a Keegan Brooksby type? They should absolutely. Like, Cozzy and Nash did a really uh, good uh, job. I thought they competed quite well, but they're not in the team to play that uh, position. And as uh, you mentioned, this Monday, there's a very good chance. I I don't think Cozzy did enough to hold his spot. I thought he was disappointing uh, overall. Uh, Prinzi mentioned Callow might come in. Nash has actually been all right playing it as a ruckman. Uh, Sydney only really have uh, Laddams, who's actually a really good player. He was good for Port Adelaide when he played as the sole ruck. 
He was really good for Sydney against the at Eagles playing uh, hickeys out for quite a while. So we need someone. And we're definitely going to have to pick someone up in the mid-season draft. Who it is is another story. But Lynch has uh, actually tweeted uh, yesterday, his first five weeks this year, there wouldn't be a player in the history of the game who would have had a more unlucky first five uh, weeks uh, what he's uh, gone through. So don't think he's going to be fit enough to play on Monday. Uh, so we're going to be going into the game probably with Nash and either Cozzy if he holds his spot or a callow type is going to have to play in the ruck. So it's a tough one for the club, but it's a challenge because the ruck's an important opposition. So we need to fill it. If it was Clarko, he'd pick Callow for the romance of him playing his first game for Hawthorne. In Tassie. In Tassie. Had such a Clarko move. I'm not sure uh, uh, Sam Mitchell necessarily thinks like that. Uh, we see, uh, how worried are you about the big man stocks? Yeah, look, I think... The reality is Max Lynch will come in. He'll get a fair amount of game time. Uh, I agree with um, with what Danny said. Clearly, with, with what Prinzi said, clearly it was a mistake at the start of the year not to go in with that, that fourth ruck as we have every other year. Um, oh, again, I'm not that worried because even though we're three and two... I, it, I was worried at quarter time yesterday. I was very, very worried. I thought uh, we were absolutely done because he was so dominant, Ned. But at the end of the day, it's not permanent. We're going to get the players back. And, um, you know, we've discussed the possibility that we add someone in in another five or six weeks' time. So um, the notion that Lynch will play four or five weeks up until then means that I'm not that worried. It's just more of an inconvenience, really. Daz, what do you think? Kaziski hold his spot? Yeah, look, I, th- I think I think I'm going to give Cozzy the benefit of the doubt given his really interrupted pre-season or non-existent pre-season without shoulder injury and then, um, you know, just getting thrown back into it. Um, the foresight in get- giving him some ruck minutes for Box Hill, I think, is to be commended by the club and they kind of saw saw this crisis coming from a few weeks back, which is great. And, you know, maybe they can give Wade Skipper a call. I wonder what he's up to these days. <laughs> Wade Skipper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of putting an SOS out to Craig Hoyer or Kim Kershaw. Um, Danny, um, I want to turn to you now with uh, the giant new appreciation. You're a Box Hill specialist. Did you think when you first watched him play for Box Hill last year, did you think he had this in him? No, no, not not this. So I liked John Newcomb from the first Box Hill game I watched. I thought, geez, this young kid, is uh, he's got a bit of go about him. And he had the mongrel and he was hard and he was in and under. And, you know, I thought, well, we've got a few of these types of guys on our list. Um, you know, Tom Mitchell... Uh, James Warple, Jager O'Meara, Liam Shields, you know, all hard at, at the footy, but maybe not super clean. But what I've, what's impressed me the most about Jai is that he's come in this year and last year, but last year we saw a lot of what we saw at Box Hill transitioning to AFL. So it was hard, it was in and under, it was tackling, it was clearances. 
I feel like this year he's gone to another level and maybe another level again because every week I watch this kid play and he's adding another string to his bow. There's, um, you know, there's some question marks around his kicking, um, but um, I think it's more about the decision-making at AFL level um, and execution of a skill that I actually think he's quite good at. Um, So I think it'll come with time and exposure to AFL level and the pace of the AFL game. But his just even just watching the highlight of, like Brad said, the way he tacked, uh, I think it was Buse and won the ball in that first passage of play, that 40-metre Sam Mitchell-like bullet handball that he did on the wing, the way he evaded Geelong tacklers like they were, like they were nothing. There's, there's things he did yesterday at the G that I didn't see in the six games he played at Box Hill. So that's, um, that's huge signs. I think, I think he's right up there with uh, one of the most promising young players on our list, if I'm completely honest. Oh, I think he's more than that. I think he's just about the, the most promising young player on the list. I think it's, it's been... Um... I just didn't want to put him at, in, the, in, in the Will Day bracket just yet, uh, Ash. He's, a, he's an exceptionally good footballer. It'll be interesting on uh, Monday against Sydney because it'll be the first time he's played against a team he's played against before. And, of course, he made that debut last year against Swans. Was it 12 tackles or 14? 14 tackles. 14, 14 yeah. You, tackles. Think, so you think they know, might put they, some work into him? They might put some work into it. It'll be, it'll That'd be, be interesting. So how do you put um, – Brad, how do you put some work in something like Newcomb? How do you – what do you do? Into who? Uh, into Jai? Yeah. It's an interesting one because Sydney's – they normally back uh, the midfielders in. They don't – they used to tag uh, back in the day, but their midfield now, Josh Kennedy's gone out of uh, that midfield. Uh, uh, Callum Mills is their star in the midfield now. And they rotate a lot of their younger guys through. Their row bottoms become a really good player. I don't think they'll tag him. I think they'll just back their midfield. Their midfield's quite strong. They've got a lot of numbers who run through their midfield. Um, so will they put work into him? Probably not. I just think they'll back their midfield because their midfield's always quite strong. But similar to what Quincy said, I reckon Jai has been unbelievable. And I think he's now the player. He's similar to Warple when Warple won the best and fairest in 2019. He's the type of player that we really need Warple to become again. Imagine if we had Warple playing at the level that he did in 2019 and the level that Jai's at now. It's, I can't see it happening because of the way we set up in the midfield now. But I reckon Jai's even a level above uh, Warps' year in 2019. So it's exciting because our midfield really needed uh, to improve uh, this year. And the most exciting thing is, is he's young. And our youngsters have really, you know, helped our, uh, yeah, really helped. Josh Ward, I think, played a much better game than he did the week before. But I thought Connor McDonald had a very underrated game. He ran really hard all day and he got a lot, quite a lot of the ball in the last quarter and found space. So I, I, I'm, I've been impressed. Simon actually rated him at the start of the year. He said he'd be our best first-year player. And I think so far in the first five rounds, Josh Ward's shown great signs, but I reckon uh, Connor's uh, just above him at the moment. Brad, do you do you see signs of? I mentioned on the um, on the player review pod uh, this morning and and recorded last night that uh, it kind of has feels of Newcomb Ward McDonald Newcomb 
is a similar inside tough nut that Sam Mitchell was, and and Warden McDonald are the polish and 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 poise that Hodge and Lewis, Lewis? were like as a trio. It feels, I don't know, for me, it's uncanny that there's this unbelievable resemblance of them as, as a trio. What do you reckon? Oh, absolutely. It's a good comparison. It's hard to say now, you know, Hodge, Mitchell and uh, Lewis, Lewis probably not so much, but Mitchell and uh, Hodge were basically uh, generational type players. Uh, Lewis was excellent. He complimented them uh, really well. He had, you know, great skills, was tough and hard. It's a good comparison. It's obviously a bit too soon to tell, but if any, they became three quarters of the types of players, you know, Hodge, uh, Mitchell and uh, Lewis were, will be laughing. But they we, they both, Ward and uh, McDonald were brilliant picks. We were really lucky to get uh, McDonald because Carlton had to pick after us and they were desperate for him. They, were, they really wanted him and we were really lucky we had to pick uh, before because he's going to end up being an absolute steal. He's, you know, last year's draft, the top 10, if you look back, is really, really strong. The first round was is going to end up being a really really strong draft. But to get McDonald, I think he was picked twenty. Prince, you might say was twenty three to twenty six. Six, I think that range. I think twenty six. Yeah. Absolute steal because he was the leading possession getter. I think he averaged over thirty one touches a game for the um, Stingrays. Yep, playing in the underage uh, competition. So he was the magnet, which it, you know it's hard to tell. You know, it's easy for those type of players to get so much of the ball, but it's you know it's uh, come along into AFL. And he just looks polished. He looks like he's played, you know, at least 50 to 100 games already. They're really keen. I know, again, talking to someone yesterday, they're really keen to get Ned Long into the team as well when they can. <laughs> they think he can play too. So Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I've, I've been super... Because we haven't seen anything of Sam Butler yet at VFL level, really. Um, but the, the little bit that we did see last week was, um, and I think Andy Otten might have talked about it. Now, look, Andy Otten's the most positive person I've ever seen or met in my life. Um, <laughs> but he he said that every, and he's right, every time Butler went around it or was near the ball, something good happened. He's got that ability, Butler. Uh, and Long has been fantastic so far. Uh, and I reckon Jai Sarong is just, he surprised me completely. I thought it would be a year or two um, he gave me skinny Adelaide Jack Gunston vibes, but like a year or two away. Uh, but he's been he's been much better than I anticipated. So this this past draft could be a really really good one, and it's exactly what we needed at this stage of our development as a list. I have said this several times, and even going back to when you think about Hawthorne having these in the years they didn't have any high draft picks, just Clarkson was using them as uh, as currency. They can find players. They know how to identify players. Their talent identification Hawthorne is really, really strong. You give them a top four, top six or seven pick, they're going to nail it. That's not that hard. You give them a top uh, – if, if, if you ask them to make a pick in the 50s or 60s, they'll find a player. So what we have great confidence about is their ability to, 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 to find exactly the right sort of player. Um, I want to sort of, before we finish sort of that Newcomb appreciation – so we've had one Rising Star nomination being Newcomb uh, announced today by the AFL. How many more do you think we'll get this season, um, Weezy? Oh, I think Ward's likely to, at some point, even if it's later in the season when he's stringing, um, I guess, more um, consistent four-quarter matches together. So he's an absolute lock. And um, I, I agree with Brad in his take on um, McDonald's game, I thought he was his class was exceptional. He fumbled a couple of times, but 
he was he was wonderful. And if he can string one game, one full game together, where you know he's able to to pick up twenty five touches, and we know they're going to. Sorry, I just lost you there. He's the four G. The four G's playing up. Four G's playing up. He made us go four G. We'll uh, we'll move on. Um, Denver Granger Barris is eligible, um, but he's an unobtrusive back when he's getting four or five touches a week. But uh, he's playing his role. But whether that is going to appeal to the uh, rising star selectors? Well, I think if he has another game like he had against GWS last year. Uh, where he had a few of those big intercept marks and that sort of thing, that's his best chance of getting a nomination. But yeah. you're right. He plays such a dour role this year, and he's probably not as likely to have that sort of game against, like he had against GWS because Sicily and GF are, are doing that for us. So, um, But he could. He could. Uh, him and, and McDonald and Ward are the three chances, I think. Yeah, well, I think you look at a season that you don't look at the individual awards. If they come through the season with four Rising Star nom- nominations, that's a good sign. I mean, Sydney, everyone's raving about the Swans last year. With they, I think they had three in the first three rounds. Um, well, they had th- rounds two, three, and four. I think they had three. They had the Rising Star nominations. Suddenly, they have the best group of young players in the competition. So, fourth on to get four over the course of the season, it is a sign that the rebuild is. Coming along nicely. Uh, Daz, I've got a controversial one for you. Um, one of your favourite players. But uh, I did watch the Hawthorne-Geelong game yesterday because uh, I was working at the same time. So I watched it from the media centre. So you have the halftime coffee and schmooze. And the talk amongst some of the media types was that Dylan Moore, as great a player as he is, um, an element is stuck to his game where he's got a ducking problem, not at the Joel Selwood level, but it's, there's potential to go down that path. Do you think that's an element to his game that uh, is there, or do you think every time he gets a free kick for head-high tackle, it, it's totally warranted? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I think I think he's similar to Poppy in that he's he's a shorter player and. It happens with small forwards. Uh, I don't think he's playing for it. I don't think it's his game. He acknowledged it in the post-match where he said that he was pretty lucky with a couple of those free kicks and holding the balls, but, uh, the high free kicks. And I think he probably got two goals from, from that, from memory. But, um, you know, you've you got to be in it to win it. And I think he's, he's putting himself in the right position to win those free kicks. And I didn't see any problem with the way he was behaving. I think that's just salty journos, Ash, that are uh, <laughs> conspiring against the Hawks. It was a Geelong. A well-known commentator based with Geelong was the first person to raise the question, raise this subject in a brief conversation. So no clues as to who that was. But anyway, um, what, do you, what do you think, Brad? Uh, similar to Daz, Moore's the type of player, he doesn't play for it. He attacks uh, the ball really, really hard. Uh, so for someone like him, I don't really have an issue uh, with it. It happens often now with the smaller forwards. Um, so no, I don't really have anything against it. It's not, you know, if he if he starts to do it time and time again, then it probably becomes a bit of a problem. But no, I just think the way he attacks the ball, he's first to it yeah, often, uh, he's going to get those free kicks. I think players just have to learn to get... Uh, Lower in the tackle, so no, not a problem at the moment. 
Don't forget, if you've got a question, you want to be part of our conversation, just make a request to speak. We'd love to hear from you. As a, a, as, as a side issue, uh, do any other Hawthorne players have an annoying trait that you'd like to see them eliminate from their game? Ash, can Tom I ask Mitchell. you a question while people are thinking? While people are thinking, one. Tom Mitchell has got to stop kicking the ball twenty meters up in the air, <laughs> and putting the under pressure. That does my head in, and it happens every game. I don't understand. He calls for the ball on the half back line all the time. Why our players kick it to him is is beyond me. I love Tom. He's not that type of player. It happens every single game, and one time I think last year. Was it at O'Meara who he knocked out um, against Carlton when Lockie Plowman was suspended for two weeks, which he shouldn't have been? Or was Tom uh, Mitchell uh, should have copped the suspension for the kick? That kick. But uh, <laughs> that does my head in. Uh, uh, Stuart, you got a question for us? Good evening. Uh, thanks, Ash. Actually, one was a request, and Brad's just summed it up perfectly. I love listening to your. Um, uh, to your player ratings, but next time we have a, a loss like we did against St Kilda, can you do, have Brad come on and do it? I'm not sure what your <laughs> what your uh, parent parent right, parental rating is on these things, but I reckon. Yeah, no, happy to do it. Uh, next week, I actually think we, I reckon we're a good chance to beat Sydney. A four and a half day, or what did they call? I said a five day break. We play Melbourne at the MCG. That's that's going to be a hard one. So I'm Get him on to the doubles. Melbourne game. Yeah. Uh, more than happy to do it, actually. Yep. Uh, get me on after the Melbourne game because I reckon that one's going to be, that's yeah. going to be a hard watch. Yeah. 50, 50 bucks a year is, is value for, you, for Hawks and Sides, but I reckon that would just be a little bit extra. <laughs> right. Um, the, I've got a question for Danny. Um, it seems like uh, with Box Hill, we're not, we're not playing our full um, set of uninjured uh, players that don't make the 23. Is there a reason behind that, or is, is that just something that uh, that's happening um, through uh, through people not being available? Yeah, I think it's a victim. I think Box Hill have been victims of circumstance so far in the year, uh, Stuart. Um, just with the way that the games are played and the COVID protocols um, that the AFL players have to follow, we've had to hold guys over that would normally play in a non-sort of COVID environment. Uh, then you've also had some strange ones, like we still haven't seen uh, O'Hara at VFL level at all yet. Um, Brockman hasn't played a game at any level yet this year, uh, and he's just been in WA and come back. So hopefully we'll see him next weekend. Um and then, and then it's just the, the guys that are injured that don't show up on the injury report because Hawthorne doesn't report everything. So I think it's a combination of reasons, but it's a good spot. And it's something that, um, that I'm keen to dig a little deeper into. Um, we might have to get Ash on the trail there to find out why these guys that aren't on the injury report don't get reported on, but then don't play uh, at any level. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a curious one. Good question, though. It's because yeah, just... they bring the mouth guard to training. <laughs> yeah. I, I just look at them and just wonder if they're, they're thinking these guys, if they're not, they're not up to form, then they need to earn their spot. Like Seamus Mitchell's probably a great example, but he hasn't really set the world on fire. He seems to um, get a couple of goals, but they're, they're easy goals. Um, but, yeah, I'm just wondering if they're making them earn the, the next, earn that spot before moving forward. 
I mean, that, that's a really good question. I don't, I don't necessarily think so, but uh, because I, I would have thought that for their development, especially somebody like Mitchell, who hasn't played much football in the last two and a half years, playing as many games as he can is the most important thing. But uh, I don't know that for a fact. So um, it, it's, that's, that's one we'll need to ask, ask a bit more uh, of the club about, I think. That's a good um, question. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm wondering with Box Hill whether they've – I mean, there's no quota system in place. If, if, if you can play – if you've got a full list to choose from, you can totally fill the Box Hill team with um, VFL players. But I think they like to have a core number of Box Hill players in there on any given week. And they're happy just to – even for the slightest niggle, uh, they're happy to rest a Hawthorne player. And, and, and they might decide they could just as easily do with a heavy trading load than playing game for Box Hill. I think they're a bit of sports science might come into the world. Stuart, good to have you on board and thanks for your support of Hawks Insiders. Anyone else got a question that they want to jump on, we'd love to hear from you. Darren, you chuck this one onto the running sheet. Uh, this is your wheelhouse again. Um, the jeering of Isaac Smith at the MCG, which seemed to infuriate many of my colleagues in the media, but uh, seems to come perfectly naturally to Hawthorne supporters who have now been called the booing champions of the AFL because they also boo Joel Selwood, as I have for the last 15 years. Um, talk me through that you were in the crowd. Talk me through the psychology of why do we boo, uh, why do Hawthorne supporters jeer Isaac Smith? Or does he, as a three time premiership player, should he be uh, exempt from being booed at? No, I don't think he should. And I think he, the facts are that he chose to turn down a Hawthorne contract and go to play for Geelong. So I think I, I painted a scenario. Michael Gleason said that. It was a pathetic and weird decision from the crowd. Um, and I painted a scenario of, you know, Sam Walsh winning a few premierships at Carlton. Ten years down the line, he turns down a contract and goes to play for Collingwood. Is he going to get a welcome return, welcome, you know, stirring ovation from from Carlton fans when he comes back to the G in, in, in that game? I just, well, the, the, just don't know why. The scenario we, there was, was Daisy Thomas, who was booed relentlessly and by Collingwood supporters for several years after joining Carlton. Mm. But I think I think the circumstances were even more favourable for Daisy. I think he, he saw the writing on the wall with this. With I don't think he was offered another contract, was he? He just chose to follow Mick. Yeah. Well... I think that's even less excusable, and I think um, I think sometimes people have just been in the media far too long and just forget what it's like to be a fan of of clubs with with long and bitter histories. And I think he, Isaac Smith could have literally gone to any other club, well, obviously not Essendon, but any other club, and we would have we would have cheered him. Um, so. I just have no, I have no problem with it, and yeah. Isaac Smith doesn't have a problem with it. And Geelong and Hawthorne have made no circular the fact that they don't like. It. It's a, they love, they love to hate each other. It's a great rivalry. They really enjoy beating each other. It's a big game they set themselves for. I've got no doubt that Joel Selwood was rested. If they had a really big game against Brisbane uh, ten days before, I have no question that he said to Chris Scott, "Rest me this week because I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out to Monday against Hawthorne." It is a huge game for both clubs, has been for a long time. And I think that if you go going to go from Hawthorne to Geelong, uh, it is going to happen. They wrestled uh, Selwood in the first quarter on Easter Monday too, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, getting, they're getting three votes in the coaches' votes. So what do you think? He played pretty well. 
Um, right. I was going to say, no one's going to boost eggs. Uh, I don't think any <laughs> yeah. is going to boost eggs. So, you know, that, there's a reason why this stuff happens. Counterpoint, though, like, and each to their own. I think everybody's welcome to do whatever they see fit in the situation. I can't bring myself to boo Isaac Smith. Uh, I don't like seeing him in Geelong colours. I hate it, actually. But, um, I mean, you know, I think we've got this thing in in Australian rules football, which is so different um, to most other sports where we feel like there's this need for players to be loyal to the club for the whole career. Um, If you look at American sports or European football or anything like that, player movement's so much more prevalent and... Most players don't get booed at the clubs that they leave. Uh, there are obviously exceptions to that rule, but um, I'm, I was kind of, you know, considering where we were at and um, and where Smith was at in his sort of stage of his career, I was kind of happy for him to, to go. I obviously would have preferred it not to be to Geelong or Essendon, but, um, you know, I, I can understand. He wants to go to Dad's Army and chase a premiership that's never going to come. Go for it. You know, if the lifestyle's better down in Torquay and, you know, you want to do that, go go be my guest. You know, I think, like, he served us so well. Um, big part of the three premierships. But, <clears throat> excuse me, at the same time, if Hawk supporters want to boo him, they have every right to do it as well. So, um, me personally, I just I, I just wouldn't, I just don't see the point. But, is it? I've been in the press box for both these games, so for both the Hawthorne Long games. I always have to work on Easter Monday, so I don't sit in the crowd. Was it venomous, nasty booing, and were supporters abusing him, or was it just right, Isaac Smith has the ball, boo, and then enjoy and, and get on the next contest? But describe the nature of the of the of the booing for me. Someone who was it, it was totally lighthearted. It was not venomous at all but it still conveyed the point of the disappointment that that he left. And uh, to counterpoint Quincy's counterpoint <laughs> of Daz, I think one of the things that probably riles a few people is um, is that he's, he's gone to, to Geelong at a time where we really needed with the group that we've, we've got for some of our older players to, um, to I guess, give give backs not necessarily the right term, but you know, with the young group that we've got coming through, needing um, some older statesmen with leadership to be a- around that group. And correct me if I'm wrong, he's the first person in a decade over thirty to be offered more than a one year contract, like to break the rules around giving out one-year contracts for over 30-year-olds. So we conveyed how important he was and how much we wanted him. And then after that, choosing to go and go to Geelong, I think in the overall picture of where we're at as a football club, I think that's where a lot of the disappointment stems from. Yeah, I hear that. That's a fair point. Um, Once he finishes finishes at Geelong, I don't think... You know, even Daz, who's probably <laughs> oh, the, there's, ven- there's, there's venom from Daz. Let me tell you, there's venom from Daz. Spicy takes. Once he's finished at Geelong, I mean, it's no different to Hodge and Birchall and Mitchell, and that initial disappointment 
as years go by, of course he's going to be remembered as a triple premiership player and for what he did. And of course he's going to be welcomed back into the fold, but it's still raw because he's still running around in the Geelong top. So, and, and we're still in that development phase where, yeah, he, he could be part of this group on a wing right now, helping with the development of the club. So, want to get to a couple of questions, but before we do, I was, you know, I was there very early yesterday. He would have spent Isaac Smith, I reckon, half an hour on the ground, you know, pre pre warm up, just chatting to Hawthorne people. You know, good natured conversations. It was trainers, it was the physio staff, it was a couple of the players. He and Sam Mitchell were having a. Uh, we're having a chat at one stage. I think it might have been exchanged a handball at one stage. Mitchell's crazy in the football. I think at one stage you handball to Smith to handball it back. So I've got no doubt in the eyes of Isaac Smith, by the way, he's a very bright guy who's just finished the NBA. This is purely a business decision from his. And he saw, you know, he, he worked out that Geelong, he could squeeze out one last premiership. He's enjoying the lifestyle. He's actually living in Torquay like most of Geelong blokes. He's living in Newton or Newtown, which is a suburb near near Cadenia Park. This is a business decision. He uh, he will be a Hawthorne man till he dies, and uh, so I you know I think it's all theatre. He knows what's coming. I you know it's great for supporters to jeering. I sus- I suspect it's not nasty. I think it's less nasty than the jeering Franklin got, which I think was a, there was genuine outrage at Franklin going the Swans under those circumstances. I think Isaac Smith is a bit different. A couple of our favourite uh, listeners are with us. I want to get to them now. David, good evening. Good evening, Ash and everyone. I agree with Weesey. It's only because he's wearing a Geelong jumper. And you could even see where we were sitting on the centre wing. I had binoculars on when Maury tackled him and the crowd was going off their nut at him. He started giggling any rate. So he... he he knows what's happening. It's in. The, he's only in it. as you said, Ash. If he was in any other jumper, but a Geelong jumper, I don't think we'd care. The main thing I wanted to talk about was Cosy. I'm a bit different to what Brad said earlier. I thought I'd love to have known what was discussed with the ruck at half time, because in the second quarter, I thought I thought Stanley was jumping all over Cosy, but after half time, Cosy basically from probably 10 minutes into that sec- third quarter because he was breaking even and wasn't letting him jump over him. So I don't want Monkey had got to him or said to him. And I think because he actually started playing as a proper ruckman in that last quarter and broke even. I thought we broke even in the centre for the rest of the day after that second quarter. And I think the only problem I worried about Cosy there was a stage there where he was hobbling around and he come out after three-quarter time with a bandage on his leg. So... I don't know how bad it is or things like that to, if we're going to get him next week. But I think Munkers might have had a lot to do with how our ruck contest broke even because I agree with you. It, when Reeves went down, I thought we were in all sorts of trouble because I'm honest, I think if Reeves played the whole game, I reckon we win that game comfortably. Oh, no question they win the game comfortably. Reeves was the best. Reeves and Newcomb were the best two players in the ground by a mile in that first quarter. Reeves was, uh, was in fantastic form. And I don't know the Geelong ruck coach, but he'd be giving Reeves Stanley a kick up the ass uh, post-game, you think, because uh, they had no business allowing Hawthorne to break even through the midfield the way they did, given Hawthorne's ruck circumstances. Reece Stanley is just one of the greatest uh, disappointments. He's got all, he should have all the tools to be a really good ruckman, but he's just been a battler for, for 10, 12 years. So, uh, the Hawks are gone. So, we've got uh, City this week, uh, Peter Laddams. An adequate ruckman, not a star ruckman, but uh, 
They're going to be in all sorts of no play uh, against Melbourne five days after that. Stalking Hawk, another favourite of ours. Hello. Good to have you with us. Yeah, g'day, guys. Thanks for, um, yeah, thanks for having us on. Um, got a couple of observations about three players, and they're going to sound pretty critical. Um, and apologies, I missed the, um, the first bit of this because I was um, watching my Masters with the kids. But um, uh, first one is Warple, and he just seems to be, at the moment, like his endeavour, you can't doubt, but he seemed to just slap the ball on the boot the whole time. Um, and invariably, the ball would just get turned over by Geelong's defence every time he did it. And it doesn't really fit in with kind of the really compressed zone that the Hawks are playing at the moment. Um, yeah, he just seems to be having real trouble adapting to that and looking for that sideways option and then running in waves. He's just slapping on the boot. Do you guys have – has anyone else picked that up? We talked about this on the player ratings a bit. I mean, he he. I thought he worked really hard um, when he came on, and it might have been a blessing in one way to lose Reeve in a wet condition to be able to bring another sort of running player in. Um, his disposal is a problem, but I, I thought his uh, I thought his work at the contest was pretty good, and he he, he had he was harder at the ball as he's been for a while, and so I thought. Uh, I thought he, he rebounded uh, in, in reasonably good fashion. What, what do you guys think? I think he's a confidence player. I think this year's confidence has been absolutely shot. He's unfortunately been played uh, in the wrong uh, position. Uh, Stalking Hawk mentioned, you know, he's played, I think he's played a bit in, in the forward line uh, this year, and that's just because he's been uh, overtaken by guys like uh, Jai. Uh, Josh uh, Ward's gone in front of him as well. And unfortunately for Warps, he doesn't have another position. The only position he can play on the ground is an inside uh, midfielder. And he's behind Titch. He's behind Jager, who's also been really poor this season. He's behind Newcomb. He's behind Warp, uh, Ward. And uh, Connor Nash at Evans probably gone in front of him when he plays in the midfield. So, uh, And the biggest knock on him when he got drafted and why he got drafted so late was his uh, disposal. So uh, I don't know what uh, the answer is. It's disappointing for him because he obviously won the Peter Crimmins medal uh, in 2019. Uh, and we all thought he was going to be the next big thing for us. He seems like he's a leader as well. Like he's, you know, he's tough. He's got good personality. The players seem to like him. But when our team is fully fit, I don't think there's a spot for him. So he's just, I think he's really low on confidence at the moment. But I don't know what, the answer is going forward because I don't think there's a spot for it. It's a good point that you actually make, Brad, because he won that Peter Crimmins medal when we didn't have a lot of options there in the midfield. There wasn't a lot of competition for places coming from Box Hill. And so now he's... Some players see competition for places as a, as a rocket, as a, as a way of, of getting themselves to, to another level. But I think Walpole, yeah, it's, it's, it's a confidence thing. And he's, he's really seeing for maybe... You know, four players that have gone ahead of him, and and that's probably playing mind games with him because I think he likes to 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 be the main man and know that he's got that spot sewn up. So he's got to have to battle through that. I'm yeah, talking about a couple other players. Yeah, um, yeah. So on that one um, with Warple, I think it, as soon as he figures out the game plan and moves the ball, you know, on the forty-five as opposed to dumping it long, I think he'll be fine. As, as you said, Ash, his endeavour is. You know, faultless. He charges in hard and and all good. Um, 
the other two were Conor McDonald and Josh Ward. Um, so Conor McDonald, I think, is just he's excellent, makes really good decisions. Um, he's got really good skills, but it did seem um, on on the week, well, on Monday, that he was just getting rid of the ball as soon as he had it. Like he, he's the sort of player that. Um, yeah, Pendlebury, like, he's got time when he's got the ball. He just wasn't using it at all. And I'm not sure whether it was just because of the, you know, the occasion, the Hawthorne Geelong and whatever, and he's just really keen to move it on. But I, I reckon he had so much more time than than what he took. And if he'd taken that half a second or a second, he he would have he, he would have been up there with Newcomb as one of the best players on because he was getting the ball in space and it was just in too much of a hurry to get rid of it. Um yeah, I think I think we have to remember sometimes he's five games into an AFL yeah, career. Exactly, so exactly. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that he actually, there were a couple of moments where he fumbled balls, um, even even not necessarily under that much pressure, and he fumbled it um, and wasn't necessarily clean with it. I also agree there, was, there were times where he had more time to get rid of it. But conversely, the good... The good stuff oh, yeah. that he so did good. was very, very good. And when you're five games in, you look at that and go, okay, give him, give the kid 40, 60, 80 games <laughs> experience and that is not going to be a problem whatsoever. 100%. Um, and the last one was um, Josh Ward. So I wasn't sure whether he was um, given a bit of a tagging role on Selwood. He seemed to play that, um, that Sam Mitchell kind of centre square sort of role um, all game. And he, I, I just found whenever we're coming out of defence, um, while I was drawn to him, just on the corner of the square, screaming for the ball. But like Geelong's zone was kind of all around him. He just either didn't have the awareness or other players weren't able to shift the zone. And it seemed like a, a game where he thought he was in the right spot, but just wasn't all the time. I just wonder whether... Um, his position there allowed other players to be open and, and like, almost drew Geelong players to him so that, um, like, it was, it was just unusual because he seems to be such a natural accumulator of the ball. Um, yeah, for it not to work very well against Geelong just seemed a bit strange. He played a good... Well, I think you're right, but he, he played a fantastic last quarter. We went through mm. on the uh, Play Ratings uh, podcast. He had a fantastic... He, both him and McDonald played... Really great last quarters, um, but they're just giving lots of different exposures. They're, they're not shy of putting him at, at, at not shy. He's, he's a full part of the you know the midfield centre square rotations now. They're, they're not keeping him from anything. And maybe he had, maybe he did have a role for a while. So you know, run with Joel Selwood. Maybe they said this might be your last time, first and last time you play against Selwood. Run with him for a while and see what you learn. And that none, none of this would surprise me from Sam Mitchell. Because in spite, despite the fact that Hawthorne's three and two and and in and playing really well, this is a year about education and development. So it, it, what you say makes a lot of sense. So that could well be right. Uh, so good to hear from you, Stalking. Thanks for being part of the podcast, uh, part of the spaces this evening. Uh, a couple there of things. Please. A couple of things I want to get through before we go. Um, Hawthorne's good form, um, Brad. This is something I think you might be interested in talking about. Is a Hawthorne chance to get a, a Thursday or Friday night game in, in, when the next block of fixtures come out based on the fact that they're playing slightly better football than thought? Absolutely. I think if they continue playing the way they have been, they deserve one. 
I think with the way they play, especially with the form of uh, Jife at the moment and the way they run and gun off half-back, they felt like, like to put the attractive teams on, you know, the teams that play an attractive brand of footy. So I can absolutely see us probably, yeah, second half of the year, I reckon we'll get at least one, if not two, you know, Thursday or Friday night games. So I'd be surprised if uh, we didn't. But I think the AFL would be extremely surprised with how well uh, we've been playing. And it also helps when the media, uh, you know, uh, speak us up, you know. So they've been really positive. I know the St Kilda game uh, wasn't great, but for those who even watched Footy Classifieds last night, Kane it was, Horns inc- it was incredible. Very, yeah, Kane was very complimentary. Uh, Caro also, you know, obviously when the Clarko stuff happened, there was a lot of uh, negative feedback. But the way the media speak about us, that plays a role and the AFL pay attention and they know that if we play the way we have been, it'll be interesting to see, you know, in five, six, seven, eight weeks' time when our younger players start uh, to tire. We've had a great start to the season, but it's going to be interesting to see if we're still playing the same way. Hopefully uh, we are, you know, in, say, six, seven weeks' time and then we'll definitely, I've got no doubt, get at least one. Yeah, a couple, a couple of games I've looked at. There's a Collingwood game on Friday night in round 12. Uh, it was sort of round 12, Hawthorne uh, home to Collingwood, which would be a possibility. That might be a Thursday or Friday night. And the Bulldogs game, which stayed out of a bye, which actually makes a bit of sense. And that's still round 15 when they're still playing Thursday night games that time of the year. Makes a bit of sense coming out of a bye. Perhaps that to be a Thursday night game for Hawthorne. So without knowing what the Bulldogs' turnaround is for that. But uh, there's a couple. Yeah, I think with the brand of they're playing, and they're, they're a team with a big supporter base, you'd like to think that at some stage, this year, um, they'd be rewarded with a Thursday or Friday night game, which uh, would be good because uh, that's a sign that uh, a sign of a team that he's doing something. Um, Brad, it's only early; it's only twenty four hours since the last game. A couple of very early thoughts about selection for this week. I, what do you think about my theory that they'll? It was, I mean, that Sam Mitchell's already floated that they'll pinch hit against the Swans and save Max Lynch on the five day turnaround for Melbourne. Yeah, it's, I, I reckon you. I reckon you are on something there. Well, we'll see. Uh, will Day will definitely come back. Uh, Tom Phillips is going to lose his spot. He was really disappointing. He only had, I think, eight or nine possessions, fumbled. He won't hold his spot. Liam Shields was also disappointing. He only had, I think, 12 possessions. Um, he won't be in the team once we get our guys, you know, our full-strength side back. But you do make a good point because we play Melbourne five days uh, later, we're going to come up against Gorn and uh, Jackson. So Lynch is going to need to be cherry ripe for that game. Laddams, as you mentioned, he's a he's a decent player. But I think the combination of a Nash with a Cos, probably Cozzy, um, if Lynch doesn't get up, uh, I reckon they can, they're capable of playing against uh, the Swans. I don't think we'll see too many changes. I think we'll see Ward and McDonald get a rest against Melbourne. One of them definitely will get uh, rested. They both won't play uh, that game. Uh, and I think a few guys who might be sore will miss uh, the Melbourne game. I think that's the type of game. I reckon Mitchell will think we can beat Sydney playing in Tassie for the, you know, playing in Tassie for the first time. Um, I reckon we're a good chance. I reckon he'll pick his best possible team. And then it'll be uh, the week after where we'll see a few changes. So this week, yeah, Day will definitely come in. Lynch is, I guess, a 50-50. Um, be interesting to see if Warple, who started as, as the sub, holds his spot. But I reckon Phillips and Shields will go out. 
Uh, and it'll be interesting to see who the uh, others that come in. Obviously, Day comes in. Wingard, I think, will get uh, one more week. I don't think they'll play him in uh, Tassie. He'll come back for the Melbourne game. They, uh, it's good to have Box Hill back this week. Um, they need to get some games and some players. Um, chance for Danny hasn't played a lot to, to get a game. Brockman needs to play. So he'll, he'll get a chance to play at Box Hill. And then, as they all, all fit, uh, then I'll see how they pull up after. Lucky Bramble, too. Yeah, he might be back this week. Yeah, he'll play for Box Hill this week. And I reckon I watch the space for the Melbourne game. I reckon uh, Long will debut in the Melbourne game. Uh, Ward and McDonald, I reckon I'll rest them at the same time because I want them in the team together. You know, they'll come back uh, the week after. I think we play the Bombers the week after, which is that's a watch the space for a Rising Star nomination because that's the type of game where Ward or McDonald, one of them will get 25 to 30 touches against uh, the Bombers. I think Bramble played well against Melbourne in the draw last year. I think he played a really good game. So, um, but I'm not sure whether he'll need. He might need two weeks at Box Hill before before he's able to play. I'm really keen to see Danny uh, back playing senior footy before too long. I want to see uh, what his de- development is going to be like. Danny, what do you think? Uh, quickly before we finish up. Yeah, I echo what Brad said. I reckon. Uh, I reckon the selection of Ned Long for the Melbourne game is absolutely on point. I think. Uh, I think Max Max Lynch is the the Gorn Whisperer. So in his one game for Collingwood la- last year, so it makes sense to hold him over to play against that, so we don't get absolutely monstered. Uh, and I think we'll see a few changes that that Melbourne game because I just don't think it's feasible for um, young bodies to back up from uh, for, for on a five day break. So be prepared to see a couple of changes that week. I think. Yeah, so I think there'll be a bit of a squad mentality. I think they'll probably say to 27, 28 blokes, you'll be playing over the next um, the next fortnight. You'll so you'll all be get you will all be playing at least once over the next uh, next uh, little bit. Uh, Andrew, quick question before we go. Andrew, speak, Andrew. Oh, can't hear. You. Sorry. Uh, so we're going to. Uh, we're going to bring it to a close. I want to get to the Swans game, but really it is, you know, we're still six days away. But Hawthorne comfortably beat the Swans last year. The Swans are very tired. Hawthorne got them at a really good time. John Newcomb, 14 tackles on debut. So I think Hawthorne, as uh, as Brad said, uh, Hawthorne should go into the Sydney game with a great deal of confidence. It's going to be Anzac Day. It is close to a sellout already, my understanding, uh, the game down there. That might not be quite full capacity there with some uh, health and safety regulations, but Every ticket available, I think, will be sold for that one. And I think the Hawthorne, there's two games on Anzac Day, Hawthorne-Sydney into Essendon and Collingwood. I'd like to wager a bet that the Hawthorne-Sydney game might be a better game of footy than uh, what we get with Essendon and Collingwood, despite the, uh, all the pomp and ceremony that surrounds what is always a, a good day at the footy. Not always a, a, not, I mean, often is, but not always a, a fantastic game between two top teams. Um, that has been our spaces for tonight. Uh, any last words, Danny, from you? No, all good. Just uh, how good does it feel to beat Geelong on Easter Monday? It's been a while since we have, and uh, we'll we'll be able to savour that one. If nothing else positive happens for the rest of this year, uh, at least we have the Easter Monday win. A bit of setup been saying they can beat Essendon in a couple of weeks, and then after that they can shut yeah, up shop for the year and uh, play the, the kids. So yep. people mightn't be that disappointed. Brad, thank you for your contribution once again. Looking Thanks, forward everyone. to selection dissection from you. And we are going to put you on the ratings uh, podcast before tonight. You might have me doing 
next week because I'm not sure I can do this Monday. So you, you might be called off the bench if you can. No Darren, worries. thank you as always. Thanks, everyone. And, yeah, why are we putting the queue in the rack? Let's let's shoot for the stars. Let's get a top eight finish. And uh, we see, as always, thank you to you for all your help putting this together. Is this your last spaces for a while? Uh, it is. I'm actually heading to the Northern Territory next week for a, a long... To see Cyril. Congratulations. Uh, you going to make it? You gonna... I'll, I'll, <laughs> send him I'll best. Be, the, be the peacemaker. Um, no, just going for a trek for... Uh, seven days, which should be good, and and just for everyone in here, if you hadn't haven't had enough of reviewing the Geelong Hawthorne game from yesterday, if you haven't already listened to our player ratings pod that launched this morning, there's another hour. Get off here, get onto your favourite pod store, um, and listen to our player ratings where we go through every single player from yesterday's game. And our player review article, uh, match review article will be online first thing tomorrow morning. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on uh, Hawks Insiders Safe Space tonight. As I said, the Rodney Eid, uh, first of the quarterly reviews from Rodney Eid will be uh, online, I think, over the weekend. It'll be great to hear from him, plus a few other bits and pieces coming up as well. Uh, don't forget $5 a month, $50 a year for premium Hawthorne uh, content. Uh, we try and stay on top of everything that's happening at the footy club. Thanks, for everyone, for enjoying it. I think we can actually I'll, uh, watch replay one last time and then, in the words of Sam Mitchell, we look ahead to the Sydney game next week. Have a good week, everyone, and we will talk to you again uh, around this time next week on the Hawks Insiders. Good night and have a good week.